If you're happy to be in church, can I get an amen? Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. So glad that you're here. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad that you're here. Let them know. Tell them, I'm glad that you're here. God is in this place. How many have sensed the power of the Holy Spirit already? Amen. Communion is a powerful part of our church. We believe that it should be done regularly, and so thank you for participating with us, not in a religious setting, but in a relationship setting. When we get to the Word of God, we see that the Bible instructs us on families. Part of our family is to have an order. Order comes from God. When you look at the universe, does the universe look ordered or disordered? When you look at your biology on the inside of your body, does it look ordered or disordered? When God made the family, did he make it ordered or disordered? He made it ordered. So I want everybody to look up at me, see me smile, see how much I love you and care about you. But I don't want you today to mistake my uh, anger towards the sin of the world as anger towards you as people. As a matter of fact, even sinners I'm not personally angry with. I just hate sin. I love the sinner, but I hate sin. I hate the lies that the devil has told. There's no lie that we should love. As a matter of fact, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to where it says that God loves the righteous and hates what the wicked do. So turn with me to Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2 in your Bible, and I want to just show you this comes from our God. This comes from our God, a standard of righteousness. Psalm chapter 2 says, why do the natures conspire? Why do they conspire and plot and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and his anointed saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. I want you to see something that's absolutely discouraging and also angering to me. Brother, I want you to get that video up. Do you know which video I'm talking about? There's a video that has young ladies' faces there. I need Andrew and the sound booth to be on it next week, okay? Pause this video now so that I can be ready. I'm not angry with them, but I want to tell you when I talk about family, and I talk today about what is the problem of our culture, what you're about ready to see is absolutely representative of this. Now, I want you to notice a few things here because I unapologetically preach against sin here. And oftentimes I'm told by people that don't like me talking about sin that I have to stay within a certain category. So I want to be very clear with the kind of preacher that I am. So when you come to this church, you know that I love you enough to tell you the truth. When I talk about sin in the Latino community, if you don't like me as a gringo talking about sin, then go to some backslidden Latino pastor that just tells you whatever you want to hear. But this gringo is going to tell you about sin in the Latino community. If you're African American and you don't want me to talk about sin in the black community, go shuck and jive with that singing pastor that has three girlfriends and go there. But I'm going to talk about sin in the black community. The reason why I say this is because today, what is what in my heart, if you were to ask me, dear diary, what is the most disgusting thing I have ever seen, it is this video, and they all look just like me. Do you understand that? They are white. They are Caucasian. And I want you to know if judgment comes today, every single one of them will burn in the devil's fire. So you hear me today, I don't play favorites in this church. 
I don't have a favorite culture that I tap dance for. Sometimes we have in the church young adults come and they're really cool and they say, man, look at you, Pastor. And they find out that I wakeboard and that I ride my bike and I speed bike. You know, I ride upwards of 20 miles an hour, 30 miles today. I'll go out and do it along the river. You know, I have boating friends and all of these things and snowboard. They will look at me casually dressed and they will think I am like Willow Creek. I am nothing like them. I am not here to be your white middle class suburban pastor. I ain't him. I ain't him. And I ain't that tap dancing pastor. I ain't that Latino cultural bum 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 pastor. And I ain't your white boy Chicago Shore pastor. I am a holiness or hell. It's Jesus' way or the highway. It's the Bible or it's not in this church. Are you listening? It's all about that here. Now, I can come casually dressed in my chanclas. I can talk about in lotes. I can have a good time, wakeboarding, catching air. I will do all of that and then some. But this church is not a culturally sensitive church to your sin. Because we're talking about families right now. And these people in Ireland which was, by God's grace, one of the most strictest nations on abortion that had a biblical view of abortion. I talk a lot about Catholics here because I don't believe in the Pope. Nope, not for me. Pope, nope, that's what I say. You listening? But listen here. They had something right. Catholics and Protestants got something right. When we looked at the Ten Commandments, my dad was raised Catholic, understood respect for parents. We understood male and female. Are you listening? And so they had one of the strictest laws of abortion. They considered it biblically. If you murder a baby here, you're a murderer. And so they wanted to change their abortion laws so that they could kill a baby upwards in the U.K., upwards of plus 20 weeks. My friends, 24 weeks a baby can live outside of the womb. Within the first trimester, the baby has fingernails and fingers and legs and arms. And I want you to make sure you got the volume up because I want you to understand when you're going to hear somebody say something about how that they're going to repeal this amendment that talks about protecting the life of the unborn. And you are going to see these people weep and shout, celebrate with their rainbow-colored flags, and I'll talk about the reason why the worldview of the homosexuals in the same cahoots with the child-murdering people. But I want you to be astonished. You would think that you are watching people being told, we will no longer kill your children. You would think they were being set free from Nazi Germany as it was in the times of France. But they are literally being told, you can murder your children. And watch their responses. Please play this video. We can't hear it. Start it again. I want it from the beginning. Volume loud. Andrew, help him. And so help me God. Pause this for me. So help me God with people that don't understand this. Because I want you to hear it from the beginning. You need Andrew back there, please. I need you all to understand this. You are not 
going to appear one day in the end times. You are in the end times now. I want it from the very beginning, and I want it right because I don't want anybody to miss this. This was put up on a website to promote it and to show the celebratory nature of it. Are we ready, gentlemen, in the back? Thank you. Start it again. I want it loud. I can't hear it. I need it from the very beginning. Okay, then put it up louder. There you go. Start it again. I want it started again because I want the effect of this. I want the effect to be here. I want that voice of that demonic man, or now I want to say he's demonic, but I want that demonic ruling to be heard. There you go. Now, I want you to answer this question to me. As we look to Psalm chapter 2, what do you think God says towards these people? Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed. This is what they say. Let us break their shackles and throw off their chains, or break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord laughs at them now because they think they won, but they didn't. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. This is Jesus talking. Today I became your father. This is what he is, uh, the father's rather saying to the son. And the, and the father says, ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son, or he will become angry, or you will be led to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are those who take their refuge in him. My friends, what do you think our God is doing right now? My God, our God is laughing at their foolishness, and he's going to judge them. 
We need to hate what is evil and we need to cling to what is good. Open up to Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 tells you exactly what you need to do. Love must be sincere. That, must, that means you must mean what you say. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Look at what the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 28. Romans chapter 1, verse 28 talks about a time when people will throw off the things of God. Furthermore, as they think, they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. So God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they ought to do what not be done. They were filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decrees that those who do such things deserve death, not only do they continue to do these things, but they approve of those who practice them. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Do you know that I still love you? Excuse me, chapter 3. Verse 1, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited. Rather, they're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, have nothing, having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with such people. This is the generation you live in. These are the kind of people you work with. These are the kind of people that are in your family. I had a family member, listen, say to my wife, is your husband torturing you, making you have all these babies? This is the wickedness of our world. And she claims to be a Christian. I said to this person, have you ever read your Bible? Have you ever read about the women of God and all the children that they had? The blessing that children are. We live in a culture and a society where we murder our own children and put boots on our pets. We are wicked you saw the gay and lesbian flag waving during this time because they share the same mindset. It's anti-God and anti-your Bible. They already know two men can't make a baby, two women can't make a baby, and so now they want to destroy the image of God inside of those who can. You know what the gay community calls people who have children? They call them breeders. As if we are parasites and children are insects. Now, not everyone thinks that way, I understand. Some homosexuals may still have a bit of common sense. But this, my friends, is the wickedness of the end times. These are the people throwing off the shackles, what they call literally the shackles. They call God's commands the shackles. And they want to be free. And they want you to sympathize with them. My wife and I were watching a show, Timeless, on Hulu yesterday. And there was a sympathetic moment for a lesbian mother. And they want you to feel sympathy. 
Now, I do not want any violence to be done to those who commit abortion. I don't want any violence to be done to the gay community. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, as Ephesians 6 will teach us as we get to it. But we must understand we are fighting satanic mindsets and a worldview birthed in the pit of hell to destroy the kingdom of God upon this earth by destroying people. And so you must understand this. You must. When we are talking about families, and as we go verse by verse through the scriptures, as we have been since 2017 in the book of Ephesians, we are not talking opinion. We're not talking something that changes with fashion. We're talking about the incorruptible, undeniable word of God. We've gone through chapters by chapters. We're already in chapter 5 now. If you haven't been with us, check it out online. All the messages are online for free. Went through the first four chapters known as the heavenly-minded section. Now we're in the earthly good. We want to be so heavenly-minded we change the earth for good. Anybody that tells you that I don't talk about religion and politics, let them know they'll be controlled by somebody else who does. If you don't understand religion and politics, you'll be controlled by those who do. Because people who understand politics rule this world. People who understand religion get the microphone and they teach others you need to be the one in charge. You need to be one voting with a Christian worldview. And you need to understand you will be held accountable. We will be held accountable. And so as we learn about the Christian family, the Christian family is really simple. It's in the passage we'll read right now. There's mutual submission. The wife then comes under the husband. The husband loves the wife. There's the union of the husband and wife together, which in sex makes them one flesh, which represents Jesus coming together with his church and the spirit. And from that union comes children, fruitfulness, and procreation. And the children are to obey their parents, and parents aren't to frustrate their children. And then from a healthy civilization built upon the family, we have employees and bosses' relationships. We'll get into that later. But I want you to see that the order of the family is simple. I'll read it verse by verse and tell me if you see it yourself. It goes from God through the church to the husband, to the wife, to the children. Husbands become fathers. Wives become mothers. Children can grow up and become wives and husbands and mothers. You see, we are supposed to stay within the order of God. You take any of these components out, you come out from under the protection of God. You take God out of a civilization. You have all of the hideous atrocities of the 20th century of the 1900s. They thought they could build utopian societies. You think Stalin was an idiot? You think, you, you think Hitler was an idiot? These men were geniuses of their time. Why do you think hundreds, if not millions, of hundreds of thousands, millions followed them? They were genius leaders and all of their manipulation. Che Guevara, another demonic maniac. All of them genius leaders and yet godless killed, murdered their own people. In China, they killed upwards of 50 million. In Russia, upwards of 10 and 20 million. In Germany, 10 and 20 million. They killed tens and millions of their people, and that was supposed to be their liberation from God. And you see China even now today, as powerful as it is, arresting all of the pastors, putting them in jail, because they know the problem with communism is that it oppresses the people and that Christianity liberates the people. That's why Islam and communism hate Christians together. And so be careful today, my friends, that you do not side in women's marches led by Muslim women who can't even vote in their own countries, and yet they deceive you in America to make you think you're oppressed. 
Be careful who you vote for, women who support people like Karl Marx and others who supported the burning down of churches and taking away the religious rights of Christians. Now I want you to understand something today. I am not talking about the Western civilization as if it was built upon white people. I'm talking about Christians who built the Western civilization in all cultures of the world. Check out Northern Africa. Look at what Northern Africa was before the Muslims took it over. The Coptic Christians, those in all of those lands, those were Christian lands. Those were healthy lands. Those were lands that were promoting peace until Muhammad took them over. Christianity is not a skin color. It is the mindset of Christ. Africans were Christians long before Muslims made them slaves. The African slave trade was started by Muslims. Now, of course, when white people participate in colonialism and do the same thing, they'll get the same reward of hellfire. But listen, the punishment rather, but they'll get the same punishment. But listen, Christianity is not a skin color. Christianity is not a gender. Christianity is not flown just under American flag. I'm not here to speak American patriotism, though I love this country more than others. We're here to have a Christian worldview. And we're here to be the conscience of our nation. And we're to show them that if we don't trust in God, all is going to fail. So if you remove God, you can just see what's happened to nations prior. If you remove the church... Or if you replace the true church with a political church like the Roman Catholic Church, you'll see popes burning Christians at the stake as well as the inquisitions of the Jewish people and they'll be no different than any other demonic power. But you take away the church, you'll have just as many problems as well. You have no conscience. You have no uplifting of women. You have no uplifting of the family. So we must have the church in its proper place. The church serves the government. The church doesn't need to run the government. The church serves the government. So we don't make a church state, but church people are in the state. Are you listening? That was the reason of separation of church and state, was so that the church wouldn't try to control the state, and the state wouldn't control the church. It wasn't to keep them out of each other's influence. Of course we're influenced by the church. We have a chaplain in the Congress. We have in God we trust in our dollar bill. It was just we don't control them. The government influences me, and I influence the government. Do you understand that? You take husbands out of the home which we'll be talking about today, you see the breakdown of the family. You take the wife out of the phone, home, the breakdown of the family. Now, I thank God for single parents, and there's many stories that have been told in this church and what people have gone through, and I thank God that you're here, and we, we encourage you in whatever situation you're in, but you have to agree this is the ideal situation. And the Bible speaks about those who may remain single. Jesus remained single. Paul remained single. But that is an abnormality. That is not normal for mankind. Mankind was created male and female to be fruitful and multiply. That is a command. So those who become single do so against the normative behavior, and they do it single-mindedness to God. They don't remain single so they can spend more time getting a career, making more money. They don't do it so they can have more stuff to themselves. As one man said to me, I don't want any more kids so I can get a motorcycle. Or I don't want to get married because she collects a check and she won't get it if I marry her. If you want to be single, you be single-minded towards God. That means you give more time towards the church, not towards your career, more time towards the church. You give more of your resources to the church, not to your beach house. This is the order of the, the family. This is the order of civilization. This is the order that will remain after the world has passed away and all governments have gone. The only difference is, is we will not live as husbands and wives and mothers and fathers anymore because in the kingdom we're all equally children of God. But this is how we'll get there. 
This is why God created sex, so that we could build church members, so that we could have more people for the kingdom of God. The whole entire reason why you're not asexual and do not divide off like a worm and create another human being is so that you can enjoy sex and procreation, which is a sign of the divine interminglement of God's spirit with yours. The spiritual represented in the natural, natural representing the spirit. And the reason why we get to procreate and not God create all the, all the human race as he did the angels is that we get to share in the procreation to understand the value of a life, not to take it from our own womb. And so every time you have a child, it's not so they can join the family business. It's not so they can make you feel better about yourself, so you can teach somebody to throw a ball and hit a bat with. It's so that you can build the church of Jesus Christ. Can I show that to you in the scriptures now? Are you with me in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So I submit to you out of reverence for Christ. That means I can't value, value, uh, um, um, I cannot value, violate the word of God in your life. I can't violate you. I have to submit to the will of God in your life. You submit to the will of God in my life. Everything we do against each other breaks the golden, golden rule because the golden rule says do unto others as you want them done unto you. So if I submit to you, I never have a problem with thinking you're going to do something bad to me because you'll never do something to me that you wouldn't do to yourself. And if you submit to me out of reverence for Christ, then you have no fear of me ever doing something to you because I'll never treat you as I don't want to be treated. Do you understand? That's how the society is supposed to run. That's how the family's supposed to run. And so in that mindset, now it says, wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. So now we don't stop and we don't listen to what Oprah Winfrey has to say. Why does she influence all the housewives? Why does now a lesbian influence all the housewives, Ellen? And then now Steve Harvey influence all the housewives. All of these, literally, all of these are dumb, dumb, dumbest. Dumb, dumber, dumbest. Do you understand? Dumb, dumber, dumbest. These are the number one talk show hosts right now. And the other one's Dr. Phil. Listen to me. They don't know their left hand from their right. You must follow this. This is your marching orders for a family. Don't follow the man who's cheated on his wife and now married the side chick, Steve Harvey. Don't follow the woman that's fallen in love with another woman, Ellen. Don't follow Oprah Winfrey who's now in a shack and has been in a shack in relationship with Stedman. Don't follow any of them. And don't follow uh, 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 Dr. Phil, who has psychics on his show, calls himself a Christian. He's no more a Christian than I'm an astronaut on the planet Mars right now. Do you understand? God have mercy. Submit wives to your husbands. You say, well, I don't want to do that. Well, you can do whatever you want then. What do you want to do? Well, I want to be 50-50. He'll be in charge and I'll be in charge. The Bible doesn't say that. Moses wasn't 50-50 with Aaron. Paul wasn't 50-50 with this church. Jesus isn't 50-50 with his church. There's a leader. We submit to the leader. God said the husband is the leader. Wives submit to the leader. Well, I don't want to submit to this one. Well, who made you marry Bozo then? If you marry Bozo the clown, that's your fault. Now it's time to get him to be a man of God and stop being Bozo the clown. But don't use him being Bozo the Clown as an excuse because the Bible said, Paul speaking to the Corinthians says, by you actually submitting to Bozo the Clown, you actually give him more of a reason to come to Christ. What we don't submit in is anything, women, that hinders your safety in any way. 
If you are abused in any way, please talk to our altar workers up here today, and we will help you. If you are verbally abused, physically abused, if they use this scripture to do it, they are full of the devil and are lying to you. If they are intimidating you, if they're telling you not to come up today, do not listen to them. We will help you. We are not scared of them. Do you understand? We will help protect you and your family. And you won't be the first, you won't be the second, you won't be the 10th, and you won't be the 20th. We help folks here. Amen. And you don't have to submit to a husband that asks you to do anything to harm your children or against the things of God. When the Bible speaks about submittance here, it's presupposing the Christian worldview. Now you may say, what if he's not a Christian? If he's doing his best to do things for the family, then submit to those things. God will give you judgment if it's harmful towards your family because you hear from Christ. But you are to be submitted to your husband. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in how many things? Everything. Now once again, does everything include physical, verbal abuse, hurting the children, taking her from God? Absolutely not. Those things are discussed in other scriptures. The everything here is presupposed with the Christian worldview. It's presupposed he is not going to harm you. It's presupposed how he's going to see you is in the way of God. So if he ever violates your personal autonomy, your freedom, your children's livelihood, if he violates your walk with God, he does not have permission to do that. You belong to God. You are sacred to God. Your body is sacred to God. Your mind is sacred to God. Your children are sacred to God, and there are people here in laws to protect you. Can I hear an amen? amen? The reason why I say it like that is because we will not use the abuse of husbands and jerks and bums to have anyone say, I should not submit to the godly man that the Lord has put into their heart, or to the man who's learning to be those things. We will not use the exception as the rule. Amen. Husbands, love your wives. Let's read this together. One, two, three. Husbands, love your wives just as God loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Amen. I feel like I can smile again. I feel like I got a job assignment. I feel like I got something to do. See, because my wife is not just submitting to me because I'm smarter than her. Because trust me, women, I know most of you are smarter than your husbands. She's not submitting. My wife is not submitting to me because I'm smarter. She's submitting to me because God gave me an assignment. And my assignment is to love her as Jesus loved the church. And I'm to give myself up for her. And so, men, if you're here today, you are to give yourself up for your wife. You are to give up your Cubs games for your wife. You don't need to watch men in tights anyways. Come on, somebody. Praise God if you have the time to do it and if she wants you to do it, that's fine. But you can give up your sports car for your wife and get a minivan. You can give up those Jordans and get some shoes for her. Amen? You give up yourself for her. Now, if it's good to have a sports car, praise God. If it's still good to see the Cubs, that's awesome. But I want every man to look up at me. Your value will not be determined by your sports car or by your shoes or how well you manicure yourself. Your value in the kingdom of God and in this church will be based on the countenance of your wife's face, how well you provide for your family and take care of them. And I know women that make more money than their husbands. That's awesome. That doesn't mean that the husbands have to be making the most amount of money. But what they say is, I lay down my life and all that I have for my wife, and then we'll see the children. The Bible says that we as the church are to Christ, radiant, without stain, wrinkle, or any other blemish, and we're holy and blameless. I also want to stop and make that application to all of us here. Are you a radiant church today in your job and where you go? 
Do you represent to the world a person without stain or wrinkle? That means whatever sin you've had, you've confessed. You don't walk around in hidden sin or hypocrisy. You're free from the blemishes of your sinful nature. You've been made new like Jesus. You're holy and blameless. That's what Jesus did for me. What did Jesus do for you? Jesus did that for me. Jesus does that for us, does he not? All you have to do is go back to the previous passage. We're in the book of Ephesians. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. What does it say how God makes us? For you are God's uh, pile of jalopy, created in Christ Jesus, half messed up, half good. Is that what it says? For you are God's continual project, like the guy who says he's going to rehab his, uh, his bedroom and never does it, but he's got all the wood out in his front yard. Is that what Jesus said here? For you are God's uh, centaur, half person, half horse. Now, what does it say? You are God's handiwork. You are God's what? You are God's handiwork. Look at it in a modern translation. The Bible says that you are God's masterpiece. Look at it right up here. Ephesians chapter 10 says God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ to join him in what he does. The New Living Translation, talking about Ephesians 2.10, says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago to do. Is it a good thing to be without sin in your life? Is it a good thing to be blameless in your life? Is it a good thing to be the husband or wife God called you to be? Who's going to give you the power to do all those things? Jesus. The Bible says, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. Once again, it says nobody hates their body, but in our culture, we have a lot of body dysmorphia. People look at their body, and they don't like it. You need to love your body as Jesus loves your body. Love the skin that you're in. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you want to change your body and make it more healthy, do it from a place of loving yourself, not to try to love yourself. Start right now and say, I love myself as Christ loves me. Everybody say it together. I love my body as Jesus loves my body. Now, the Bible says if a man mistreats his wife, it's like him mistreating his own body. So every now and then you'll see these guys, you know, they look really good on the outside, but they mistreat their wife. They're cheating on their wife. They're going out and doing these things. You know what they're really doing? They're hating their body. You know why? Because their body will suffer for hell in eternity. After you die, the body goes into the grave. Your soul goes to heaven or hell based on your relationship with Jesus, saved by grace through faith, as we said today. But those who are in hell get a second resurrection, and they get thrown with that body into the lake of fire. That's called the second death. Those who accept Christ get the new body of Christ at the resurrection, and we live with the resurrected body. So it's up to you. Do you die twice or do you live twice? You die twice if you go to hell. You live twice if you get born again and resurrect with Jesus Christ. Do you understand? So right now you have your one life and your one death. Everybody has the same, same set of circumstances. We all are alive now. We're all going to die. Now is your choice. Do you want to die twice or do you want to live twice? If you want to live twice, be born again. Come on, somebody say that's good. Now, if you see a man that looks like he's really doing good because he's having a lot of girlfriends and, you know, he had to break up with his wife and now go on like Steve Harvey did to the newer model, you might think, well, man, look how good Steve Harvey's taking care of himself. No, he hates himself because in the end he'll see himself in hell. Right now, right now, the number one uh, statistic for suicide, I want everybody to look up at me, is for men over 40. I'm in that age group now. And for those who commit suicide, do you want to know what the number one reason is? 
is the loneliness of their heart. I asked our first service to do it right now. Uh, first service, I'm going to ask you guys to do it. Look up on your phone, health effects of loneliness. Look them up right now. I want to see phones. Health effects of loneliness. Health effects of loneliness. First one, that Google's an article. I want you to shout it out where it comes from. Okay, New York Times article. What article do you have? Same one? New York Times article, the health effects of loneliness. Do you want to know why middle-aged men are more lonely than they've ever been before? It's because they have not found their security in the family and they have not loved their body. Because in the home, you have a healthy mentality that gives you a healthy body. Now you want to know why the housewives uh, are desperate and all of these things and why now more women are on Prozac and all of this than ever before depression is because it affects their body as well. Though they don't have the same suicide rate as middle-aged men, we are now finding out that people are lonely. Why are they lonely? Because they have broken marriages and broken families, and it's due to them not loving the spouse as they ought to, serving and being in each other's roles, and then investing into their children. As I said to you, the family member that said to me, are you torturing your wife by making her have children? Number one, the woman who said that to me looks like she's tortured every day of her life, and my wife looks like she's on vacation. Hey, judge my wife by her expression. Come on. My wife looks like she's on vacation, and you look like you're tortured. Why is it right now the home is broken? It's because husbands haven't done their role. The husbands have let down their guard, and now they send out the women to kill their babies, and they move on to other women, and they've convinced the women to live with them for years before they'll get married to them. Like I've said before, you'll see how fast that dude will want marriage when you say no ringing, no dinging. You'll see how fast he'll either break up with you, or he will start to get on a knee and get serious with you. Hello? Hello? I say that out of love and with my children here. This is, this is still PG compared to what they're getting in the Illinois schools right now. This is still PG. So what we need to have is a godly husband that says to a woman, you can trust me. So woman, women, what you're looking for, because we got a lot of single women in the house, what you're looking for is not a man necessarily that has a big checkbook. You're not looking for a man that has a nice car or has all a head of hair. You're not looking for that. The first and most important thing, women, you're looking for is a man you can submit to and have a family with. He can be the head of your house and that he can be the father to your children. And then women, a man, what you're looking for in a woman, it's not a body, a physical object to have sex with. So often I meet these men that have sex with these girls on one night stands and they live together and then they wonder why two years later there hasn't worked out yet. It's because she showed you what her value was the day you hooked up with her. And so she can't elevate you because she herself is in the gutter with you. So men, look for a woman that elevates you. A woman that says she's worth her weight in gold. That she's worth you having your eyes only for her. And as I've said before, yes, I could go, as what the world would say, try to upgrade my model and get away from a 36, how old are you, what else my wife, 36? You are 36. I'm, I'm, I'm right. Okay. I could try to go get a 20-something-year-old girl right now. Are you listening? But I can never get another Nancy. The value of Nancy can never be replaced. The value of Nancy cannot be replaced by a Kardashian. The value of Nancy cannot be per, uh, replaced by another woman. I could have the same physical act with my wife, with another woman right now, but I'll never have what my wife is. And so you want to tell me? that this is not working, I'm telling you, my friends, it's the reason why everything else is broken right now. 
I don't even have to prove it anymore, but I will prove it by the stats and facts over and over again during this series. Come for Father's Day. I'll bring out a lot more stats and facts, but today I wanted to make this more heart-to-heart. Husbands, you are to love your wives as Christ loves the church, and by doing that, you're taking care of yourself, and you're avoiding the problems of loneliness and midlife crisis and depression. What is the answer to midlife crisis and depression? Smiling children around your table. As my testosterone levels are going down, as I'm finding out that I'm not as strong as I once was, as I see more gray hairs in the mirror, what brings a smile to my face, releasing the testosterone again? What brings the joy to my heart, releasing the chemicals in my body? It's me chasing my children around the backyard, wrestling with my son, having fun with my wife and teasing her. See, that is the joy of my heart. I am not in a midlife crisis. I'm in a midlife blessing. I'm in a midlife blessing. And it's not because I was lucky. It's because I was blessed. And you can be blessed too, young men, if you set your heart at that. And older men, set your heart back towards your families and see what God will do. And once again, if you say, well, I'm not married, set your heart towards the church. Think about it. Treat the church. How, how do young men get to learn how to do this? How, how, how did I get to learn how to do this? Because I practiced loving the church for 10 years before I ever loved my wife. Jesus says the church is his wife. So how did I as a man learn to treat a wife before I had a wife? I learned to treat the church as Christ's wife. You hear people say sometimes, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. What you've just met is an idiot. What you've just met is a fool. Because if you say to me or to any man in here, I love John, but I hate Laura, you just started a fight. If you say to me right now, I, if you said to Ish, you love Ish, but you, hate, you, lo, you, you love Ish, but you hate Robin, you've just started a fight. If you say to me, you love me, but you hate my wife, you started a fight. You cannot say you love Jesus and hate his bride. His bride is a pure bride, and his bride is worth your life. And his bride is here today in the church. And it's not a building made of brick and wood and stone. It's a body made out of flesh and blood filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ is here. And we are members of his body. And he doesn't abort us. He loves us as a father. He takes care of us as a husband. He never leaves us or forsakes us. So men, we have our example set before us. And so we do it by speaking the word to her. I skipped over that. Let me go back to it. He washes her and cleanses her through the washing of the word. And so we as husbands, we speak the word over our wives and over our children. We speak Proverbs 31 over our families. And we say, you are beautiful. You are worth more than rubies. You are an entrepreneur. You are gifted. You are strong. You are powerful. And somebody might say to me, well, what if your daughter would be pregnant? What if something would happen into her life? Dear God, would I ever have an abortion? No. I would say, let your mistake be the greatest lesson of your life as you enter into motherhood. As my mother got pregnant at 15 years old and learned lessons through that. We don't kill the children. We honor our children even though they may come through bad decisions. We don't hide it through abortion. Are you listening? And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That's what Jesus said in the beginning in Genesis 2.24. He reiterated it reiterated it when he was in the flesh in Mark 10, 6 through 9. So he told us this is the standard. So did Jesus have to go around and say, thou shalt not be a pedophile? Did Jesus have to go around and say, thou shalt not be a bestiality person, have sex with animals? Did Jesus have to go around and say that? No. 
So why is it the gay community says to us, well, Jesus never said anything about homosexuality, so it must be okay. That's called the argument from silence. And if it works for homosexuality, then let's legalize pedophilia and bestiality then. The reason why Jesus didn't mention pedophiliality or bestiality or homosexuality is because this was the standard. He made them male and female for husband and wife, father and mother. Can you have a husband and wife with a man and a dog? Yes or no? Can you have a husband and a wife with a man and a nine-year-old child? Can you have a husband and a wife with two men, with two women? Is there any questions about sexuality in the Bible? Why is it our world doesn't get it then? Why is it they conspire against our God? Why is it now men want to become women and women want to become men? Why is it we see the Kardashian, the man becomes a woman, and now he wants to marry a man that also became a woman? What kind of sick, twisted world is this? Both of you became women to become lesbians? This is nonsense. The Bible literally says God looks down from heaven and laughs and scoffs at the wickedness. Yes, do we have compassion? Do we weep? Do we break for them? Yes, mercy. But judgment day is coming. This is not right before God. We have many in this church that have same-sex attraction and so forth. What must they do? They must repent. Just as any one of us have repented of our sins. What if you, somebody says, well, I was born this way. Well, I was born a way too, but God changed me. Do you know that I punched a girl in the nose, gave her a bloody nose before I even really knew what I was doing? I was around four or five years old. I hardly remember it, but my mom tells it to me. Should I keep going punching girls in the nose and say I was born this way? Are you guys listening to me? What about the pedophile who says I was born attracted to little children? That's exactly the argument that they use. Should we say that that's okay? Yes or no? What about the person who says that I feel it's natural with an animal? It doesn't hurt anybody because people say, if it doesn't hurt anybody, go ahead and do it. Is that okay? They're promoting that as well now. Those are some of the things that I said I wouldn't mention in this church. And the reason why I only mentioned them in passing is to give you an example of the perversion of this culture. If people were to be told 100 years ago what we'd be doing now, they would all blush no matter what religion they were, no matter what background they were. We would all make our grandparents blush even talking like this. And yet these have become our radio stars, our music stars, our, 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 our sports and entertainment stars. The reason why Jesus never talked about homosexuality of those things in the, in the New Testament time is because it was an obvious sexual code for the Bible. And so once again, somebody may say, well, what about somebody who's born deformed? Well, does that mean we all become deformed? Does that mean we make now deformities normal? If someone's born a hermaphrodite, we have compassion on them. That's an illness. That's a deformity. But we don't, we don't now make all of us hermaphrodites, asexual, unable to reproduce. How is the human race supposed to reproduce? Why do you have sexual genitalia? Why do women have things in the front? Is that for them to get the attention of men? Why do women have breasts? It's to breastfeed. Why do women, uh, men have something between their legs? Is that to satisfy their pleasures like an animal? No, it's to reproduce. That's why it says in verse 32, this is a profound mystery. What is a profound mystery? Just two people having sex and reproducing the human race? No, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Look at it. A man leaves his father and mother, is united to his wife, the two become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. How is that profound? We know what sex looks like, but now he says, no, it's Christ and the church. So when, men and one, when a man and a woman come together, they become one in body. And then in soul, they share the same heart. 
And God is saying it goes so much deeper than that. It's now me and your spirit becoming one with you. The divine and the human coming together. The Bible says in Peter, you partake of the divine nature. You partake of the divine nature. And sexual union, though in our mind may be perverted and we think about God, oh, he's having sex with me. No, sex is a physical representation of the deeper reality of spiritual union. When God made sex, it was to represent his union with us. That's all I can tell you. I don't know any other way to explain it. Do you get it, though? Yes or no? Do you get it? Sex is a representation of the divine union with Christ and his church. So that's why we take it with honor. The Bible says, do not let the marriage bed be defiled. It should be honorable. So we honor marriage. Now, does this mean that the husband is better than the wife? No. The father has authority over the son, doesn't he? The Bible said, Jesus said, I don't do anything. Jesus said in the Bible, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. The Father is greater than I. Did he not say that? He submitted to the Father. He said, not my will, but your will be done. Does that now mean the Son is a lesser divine being than the Father, as Jehovah Witnesses say? They say, see, here it is. He can't be God. Does God submit to someone else? God doesn't submit to anybody else. Does God say he doesn't know the hour nor the day? See, God knows all things. See, Jesus can't be God. But send that Jehovah Witness over here. We'll teach him something. Because I bring them right back to creation. I bring them right back to creation. I say he made them, male and female, in his image. Who's made in the image of God? Male and female, correct? Now watch. Is the male less in the image of God? Or is the female less in the image of God than the male? No. So is son less in the image or less, shares less of the divine nature than the father? No. Now watch this. Father, Son, send the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit doesn't speak on his own behalf, only speaks what the Son says. Are you listening to me? No amen there. Are you tracking with me? Sometimes people think I talk fast, and I'm not saying a lot. I'm saying more than I have time to say, but are you listening to me? Father, Son, send Holy Spirit. Does that mean the Holy Spirit is now less than the Father and Son in divinity? Are my children less human than me and my wife? And what some people try to do is they try to make the Trinity like the family by putting the Holy Spirit in the feminine role. That's not right. If you're going to exemplify the family with the Trinity, you need to do it like this. Father and son represent husband and wife, and Holy Spirit represents children. The reason is, is because father and son send spirit like mother and father command children. Okay? But we're not looking at sexuality in the Trinity. So it doesn't matter who's submitting to who and how that's working in the sense of the family. It's not like they're married or having children. But if you want to understand the family, which is a component of three, it represents the triunity of our God. And it's Father, Son. Father in charge, Son submitting to the Father, but together showing the, sending the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit submitting to the Father and to the Son. Are you listening? Y'all ain't listening. I'm going to go five more minutes on that. I'm sassy today. Y'all ain't listening. Somebody wants me to bring it. Amen. You got it. I'm going to take my time because I want you to see the Trinity in the family. How many believe we were made in the image of God? What I'm doing right now is just showing you a, um, a, a way to go into our website. If you look up the word Trinity, as I just did right here, we did a whole sermon series. Who's that guy right there preaching? With a diagram behind him that's about ready to be the same diagram. When I took the time to talk about the Trinity, I wanted to show you it in the family. So the Trinity is the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, but the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father. They are three in one. They share the divine nature. The red represents the divine nature. They are not three parts of God. They are three persons equally sharing the nature of God. 
When you want to understand the Trinity in mankind, because he said, let us, plural, make mankind, plural, in our image, God the Father was speaking on us behalf of the Trinity to make mankind in the image, plurality of the three persons of the God nature. In our likeness, he said, that's the triunity of the Trinity. So God the Son, how do I know it's God the Son, gets down and actually makes the dirt and does all of that? Because in John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with the be- in the beginning with God. And then in John 1, 3, it says, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Are you listening? So it's Jesus, the representative of the Trinity that makes mankind. So God the Son created mankind in his own man- in image. We are made in the image of Jesus, specifically in the image of God, Trinity, as a human race. He, Jesus, created them, male and female, two persons. So God the Son then blessed them, sent them to be fruitful, to make the third person an increase in number. So as you see mankind, oh, you can't see the white writing right there. It's a little bit uh, blocked out because of uh, the, the contrast. But over here in the center, it says God, and then it says Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And over here it says mankind, uh, and it says husband, wife, children. Okay? Does everybody get that? I don't think you do. Do I need to show you another slide? No, I'm kidding. You all just tired, huh? You ready to go home? Have I preached enough today? Have I said anything? Somebody's like, yes, you have, Pastor. You have preached enough. We're done. We're done. Joe, you've talked too much. I want to go back to my notes here to encourage the husbands. How many husbands are being encouraged? Amen. You are to be the head of the house. Treat your wife as your equal, but understand the great immense authority and power that God has placed under you. And then mothers and fathers together are now to raise their children. But let's finish out verse 33. However, each one of you must love his own wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. This is, if you are going to remember anything else from today, this is the components of a happy home. This is the beauty of the happy home. The husband loves as Christ loves, the wife submits as the church submits. Do you see how it works together? As one pastor said, it's the loving spouse and the submitting spouse. And do they come 50-50? No, the husband's got the final card, but they come 100-100 in the place God called them to be. That's why we can now go to Ephesians 6-1, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Because now children have the role model there to see. So they don't have a problem submitting to mom and dad as the Holy Spirit submits to father and son because they see that mom and dad are in order like father and son are in order. They see the church is in order. And now they can honor their father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And this will be our Father's Day message. And you can just imagine how fun that's going to be. So I just double-dog dare you to come with your fathers and bring them here. And all people who want to support their fathers come. And it will be fun. There will be some intense moments, but it will be good. And so when we look to the Scriptures, we see an obvious command that we have to now decide upon. I know some of you may not want to do it. I get that. But everyone here cannot have an excuse after this message. This is what husbands are commanded to do. So verse by verse, let me show it to you in closing. Number one, husbands are to love their wives as Christ does the church. So they lay down their lives for them and show it, not just say it. Now, some people look at me and they go, Joe, that's easy for you. You're lucky you have Nancy. But you see, you don't understand my story. And many of the husbands here that you think they have it easy because they have great wives, you don't understand our stories. I lost my virginity at 15. I didn't lose it. 
I gave it up. Okay? That's a better way to say it. I gave up my virginity at 15. And between the ages of 15 and 18, I had sex with quite a few girls. Most of them I wouldn't even recognize if they were here today. Matter of fact, sometimes my old friends from high school, ladies, invite me to be their friend on Facebook, and I don't even know how I know them. And I literally think to myself, did I have sex with this girl at a party? Because I don't know. I was a drug addict. I'm not proud of any of this. I had two sexual transmitted infections in those three years. I didn't have a relationship that lasted more than three months. When I came to Jesus, there was no quality within Joe to be a good husband nor to even desire it. It took the Lord transforming my mind and my heart to show me what he created me for. So when I use personal examples, I'm telling you I know this works. This is not like I read about it, just a book from 2,000 years ago. This worked in my life. So you're talking a guy who was having sex all the time in parties, catching sexual transmitted infections and all of these things, and not being in any relationship, within moments getting saved and understanding this was the standard. And for years, God worked on my heart to prepare me to date and then told me to wait to even date. I dated a few girls that didn't go well. And then when I moved to Chicago, I met my wife, who I had known previously. I really got to know her here, but I had met her previously. I was in a relationship, and she was too. And then I still didn't understand that she was for me. I was on Christian websites dating. This Christian mingle, man. I was like dating on Christian Cafe. And, and, and here I'm doing all of this, and God is trying to tell me this is not my plan. I honestly believe God wanted me single until I moved to Chicago and met Nancy, literally not even dating. But I even broke that and started dating and got my heart involved in some relationships that never really worked out. And praise God, I never sinned against them, never lost my place as a pastor, kept my testimony. But when I met my wife, I didn't think she was for me because I had been so blinded in the world from what I thought I was looking for. And uh, my, my dad actually met my wife as my assistant, my administrative assistant. So I said, Dad, this is Nancy. She works with me in the youth group. My dad hugged her, and the moment he hugged her, he said, I believe that's your wife. I dated her for a little bit, but I broke up with her because I felt she didn't meet my criteria. My criteria was unrealistic. And I began to suffer emotionally, and God began to show me it's because I don't know how to appreciate women in general, and I don't know how to be a husband, which is what I was supposed to be if I was dating. I didn't know how to be that. And I was embarrassed at 28 years old and scared. So I literally left my apartment, went back home to my parents, and I said, I don't know what I'm doing. And I talked to the Lord, and God told me, this is how I'm going to put your life back in order. You're going to be a godly husband. Nancy's your, hus uh, your wife. You're going to get together with her, and that's how it's going to be. And I'm not saying he had to force me to love her, but he had to give me a, a choice. You can either be the Chicago Shore going around from girl to girl to girl, or you're going to stop, submit yourself, be who you're supposed to be, because that's the best it's ever going to get for you. When I called her up, it wasn't even for us to date again because I knew that wouldn't work with her. When I called her up, I had to give her a de definitive word because when I broke up with her, I broke her heart. I gave her a definitive word when I called her up. I said, you're the one for me. Within three months, we were engaged. Three months, we were married. Now this June, we make 13 years. God has been faithful. And I thank you, praise God. And I have never... And people told me this. People told me, they said, Joe, it's going to change after the first year. Nothing changed. It just got better. They said, it'll change after you have kids. It never changed. It only got better. They said, it'll change after five years. It hasn't changed. They said, it'll change after 10 years. It hasn't changed. Now what they need to realize is that it's never going to change. It's never going to change. Why? Because I did it God's way. Have we had arguments? Yes, but we never go to bed angry. Never go to bed angry. My children have never seen me yell at Nancy. Never. 
My oldest is nine years old, and I was a yeller. Still to this day, have to work on it, but my wife has never been yelled at in my house. You say, Joe, you have it easy. You're lucky. No, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. If you're not in that kind of a marriage, go to Marriage Life Group today. Are you listening to me? I could keep you here for hours about what God did in my heart, but then you know what people will do? Then they'll walk away and say, oh, that pastor, he thinks he's so cool. Look at him talking about himself. It's like I, I, I can't win either way. I don't talk about myself. Nobody thinks it's realistic. I talk about myself. They begin to think like I think I'm better than everybody. Do you get the problem that we face as pastors? I'm just trying to give you enough of an example to tell you this is what God does in somebody's heart. And the same thing with children. I was born and raised in a single home in the suburbs in a four-bedroom house in a gated community or a community that had a door, uh, um, a guy at the gate. What do, you, what do you call that? When the person comes in, you have to give them your ID and check in with them. A gated community, but no gate there. But the guy was in his little thing. You know what I'm talking about. Grew up with a golf course in our, in our neighborhood, three pools, clubhouse, all of those things. You know what I did? I broke the law, spray painted, set stuff on fire, had sex with girls in the outdoors, was wild, was arrested in my school for mooning people, fighting people, selling drugs. That's where I was living, doing all that. Felt like I, we were the gangsters of 90210, you know? <laughs> if anybody remembers that show. No, some of you guys don't even know that show. <laughs> well, listen to me. I tortured my nephews, tortured them. I had no concern for children. Even as a pastor starting out, I didn't really know what to do with children. I would just send them to the back with children's workers. I didn't know what to do. But God began to give me a heart for children. God gave me a heart for children. That means I started wanting children more than I wanted a new pair of shoes. I wanted children more than I wanted a car. And so when we got together with Nancy and I, I dropped a bombshell on her. You know what I dropped on her? I said, are you willing to have 12 children? Because the Lord has made me fall in love with kids. I want as many as we can have. I said, are you willing to homeschool? Because in marriage counseling, I wanted to lay it all out before. We're going to homeschool. That's the plan that God had given me by that time. We're going to homeschool. We're going to have his 12 children. My friend from Bible college has 11 right now. He's giving the Duggars a run for their money, 19 kids and counting. He said, I want to have a lot of children. I want to homeschool. And I said, if, if that's for you, I will make your dreams come true. Whatever you want to do, I will support you. But this is what God called me to do. And she said, let's go. And now she's getting her master's degree with our sixth child. And I believe we're going to have a few more by God's grace. We'll see how that works out. Got to check on the factory, see if the factory still wants to keep going. But uh, if she wants to keep going, I'll keep making it because making babies is fun. But if she says the factory's shut down, she says the factory's shut down, then that just means it's time to adopt. Because some people adopt just when they can't have kids. I want to adopt until I can't fit anymore into my house. Why? Because I fell in love with Christ in the church. I fell in love with man and woman. I fell in love with the idea of family. I fell in love with the idea of the culture of Christ. Amen? Number two, the Bible says husbands give themselves up for their wives. We've gone over it. I think you get it. And then the last thing it says, this is how they do it. They speak the word. They cleanse their wife. They take care of her wife. They do it as if there was their own body because they see it as an act of worship unto God. In closing today, I'll speak this to the men. It's a quote I've already said before I got excited, but it's from this uh, coach here. I don't know if anybody knows him, but Coach Bill McCartney, he said, do you want to know whether a man has character or not? All you have to do is look at his wife's countenance, and everything he's invested or withheld will be on her face. 
I want every man to come up for prayer in just a few moments as the altar workers and band come. But in just a few moments, I'm going to ask every man to come up. I'm going to start first with husbands. Then we're going to go to those who want to be husbands. And then just every young man. If you want to be single for Jesus, that's great. I'm going to pray for you today. But as we do this, as the band and altar workers come, I want you to remember what we first saw at the beginning today. We saw what paganism looks like, and paganism is the worship of a false god. We saw what Ireland does when they throw off the restraints of God. We've seen it in our culture, right? This is even the Gay Pride Month. We've seen it. But I want you now to have a, a, have a choice now. Do you want the family that the world is presenting to you as the 21st century kind of family, or do you want the family of God? And I believe today the husbands get to make that choice for the first time for many of you and if you're already a Christian husband, then you can just come up and we can pray. But, but many husbands, you need to make that decision right now. And young men, you need to make that decision. Like, what kind of family do you want? And then afterwards, we're going to pray for those who come from broken families. Because most of the broken families in our church come from the first breaking down of the father, and then it went to the mother and so forth. Generally, if you see a person growing up with an abusive mother, it's because the father wasn't around. Generally, when I hear people say, well, my mother was horrible too. We don't have to just talk about dads. It's generally because the father wasn't around. You will hardly ever see an environment where the father is around and the wife is abusive. The mother is abusive. It can happen, but rarely. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pray. Okay? And then we're going to dismiss. But I want to start first with the husbands. Husbands, would you come up and let us pray for you right now? Let's have all the men come down as well from the band. Husbands, let us pray for you. Stretch your hands as they're coming down right now. We pray for every husband in this place, for you to bless them, Lord, for you to pour out your spirit upon them. Thank you for letting us pray for you, men. God, we pray that husbands will know how much you love them and care for them. Come to these altar workers. Altar workers, pray for these husbands. Whoever's not on altar duty, pray for your other brother. It's okay. Let's not make it weird. Right now, we lift up husbands to be men of God. Husbands, if you've made mistakes, it's okay to repent and be forgiven. As some of you are waiting to be prayed for, it's okay. We're not in a hurry right now. Right now, we're praying for all of these husbands. I want a man to pray for another man. We're not in a hurry because we want men to know somebody's got your back. We want you to know that you can make it. While the men are being prayed for, if you are a young lady and you have been raised in a fatherless home, we want to pray for you right now. These women altar workers want to pray for every lady. It could be young or old. It doesn't matter. But I got women prayer workers ready. I want to pray. If you came from a fatherless home, come up quickly right now. Any lady. It don't matter your age. Doesn't matter your age. We want to pray. Because we want whatever's been put over you from the enemy to be broken off of your life. We want you, even if you're older, we don't want you to have any baggage from your past, that you are free from what a man did or did not do for you. Let's pray for all of these husbands. Men, pray for these husbands. Women, pray for those who have come from broken homes. Families, families that were not done the right way. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Okay, I'm going to need you as an altar worker now. 
And I'm going to need Juan as an altar worker. Now, young men, I want to pray for every young man in this place right now. Young men, start to find some of these men. We'll dismiss in just a moment. Thank you for your patience. Go ahead and put on a prayer CD, guys. Put on the prayer CD and we'll dismiss because I need the men in the sound booth to come out. Come on, please, quickly. We need you to go. Thank you. Start finding young men from the youth group. We'll dismiss in just a moment. Ricky and Andrew, come on out. You can just put up a prayer. Thank you. Prayer uh, video. Thank you. We're praying for all young men before we go now, too. All young men being prayed for right now. Women from broken families, husbands, come on. We're praying for everybody today. We're going to do this God's way. We're not angry if you've made mistakes. If anybody's here made a mistake, God's not judging and condemning today. He's forgiving and he's healing. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Bless these men. Now I want you guys to find some young men. Pray for these young men. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Birdo, come and pray for this husband over here, please. Pastor Birdo. Would you pray for this man right here, please? Thank you. Thank you. TJ, pray for, pray for your brother right here. Dear, I'm sorry, brother. I thought you were TJ. Finish praying and then pray for him. Thank you. <laughs> I thought you were TJ. Thank you, my brother. Sorry. Praise God. Come on. We're going to pray. We're going to lift up our brothers and sisters here today. Now, young men, if you've come from a broken family, let them pray for you as well. Let them pray for you as well. Jesus. Women, if you're still not out of your seats to get prayed for, come on, let us pray for you. If you've come from a broken family or fatherless home. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Do it, God. Do it, God. Come on. Come on. Pray for them. Brother, pray for these young men right there. Pray for these young men as a youth leader. Pray for them. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Every person in this place have a new family, a new start. Those who are praying, continue to pray. But if you can listen, I'm going to dismiss and let us keep praying. But here's the deal. We can all leave out of here with the kind of family that God wants. And if some of you are facing situations that are really tough, please tell somebody up here, we got your back. And if you are married, join the Marriage Life Group today to be encouraged. I'm going to pray and dismiss, but I want everyone to keep praying. Do not leave until you've been prayed for. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for this awesome service today. I know it was tough in certain parts, but we can sense your grace. We can sense your love. We pray for Ireland, for those women to repent and those who are celebrating to repent. We pray for the leaders of our culture to repent. We pray for some of the names we've mentioned. Steve Harvey, Ellen DeGeneres, Oprah Winfrey, our president, others who have set bad examples of a godly family. In leadership, Lord, we pray for repentance. We pray for change 
And we pray for a new family to arise, a new city to arise, a new culture to arise. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven through our families. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you. Many of you are praying, but you are dismissed. But keep praying. Those who want to pray otherwise, we'll see you at Life Groups. God bless you. Those who are praying, come on, keep praying. Thank you, my brother in the back. Jesus, bless these ladies here today, God. Bless these men here today, God. Bless them, Jesus. Fill them, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Everything from his past, everything his father did or didn't do, God. Let him be the husband he never saw. Let him be the father he never saw. In the name of Jesus, wholeness.